This is the flight director beginning launch status check. CLCDR checking all stations are man and system is ready. Give me a go, no go. Talker? Roger, FSC? That is a go. Capcom? Oh, get- navigation? Uh, navigation? Oh, uh, uh. You don't, don't worry about guidance, uh, we're just gonna. Wait, 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 what? Here we go. What? 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 Welcome back to Space Castle. It is your clubhouse and ours for all things nerdy. I'm going to say my name first so Alex can't interrupt me this time. My name's DT. My name is Alex. What is your what is your name? Alex Redwine Alex part-time librarian Molotov Donghammer. Master and Commander, Master in Space Commander. There it is. Yeah. And I'm Seth. You are <laughs> Seth. Guys, I got a topic I want to talk about. And if you are a patron on patreon.com slash space castle pod, you know what this topic is going to be. I was on Twitter recently as I want to do. And uh, there's this guy on Twitter called Wario64, who's this very famous sort of gaming world insider. He's out, got all the fucking inside information when all the sales are going down. Like the guy's like renowned. Like he's literally the sole reason I own and possess a Super Nintendo and SNES classic. Guy just knows his fucking shit. And he just spreads information. And I wish I could recall the tweet and bring it up, but his feed goes so fucking fast that it's impossible to go through his history and pull it back up. But he was recently talking about uh, Nintendo's statements about their hesitation and reservation about putting their full library of classic NES and SNES games out there for people to consume. And what I've been thinking about, and this is something I think about all the fucking time because I love SNES and Super Nintendo. Those are my two favorite consoles of all time. Why does Nintendo constantly put themselves at odds with their audience who just wants to play these old games? Why do they make it so difficult or impossible to play these games? And when they do put some out there for availability to play online, it's like the Switch console's incredibly anemic collection of games to play online. Why do they do this? And two, letter B, at what point... Does it become somewhat, and we're not saying you should do this, but at what point does it become somewhat justifiable to start collecting ROMs, not just for the sake of playing the games, but also for the sake of preserving video games? Because Nintendo seems content to let all these amazing, fantastic, world-changing games just fade away like dust in the wind. Yeah, Nintendo's not the only one. Yeah. I feel like I heard that uh, Nintendo's argument was something like, well, we can always make money off of retro games, so we can do something like what Xbox did with Game Pass and like have a whole category of and library of, of retro games and then make money off of it, but they just haven't done anything with it. So people are getting impatient, and, and then the people who are game preservationists are, are rightfully so, I think, getting a little antsy about it, like, hey, we want to have this preserved in our culture, and games are very important for our culture, so... Yeah, you know it's it's a huge part of our history, a la literature, art, and film. You know, film is the I think the thing that pe- people bring up in tandem with with game preservation quite a bit. So, uh. Seth, I know you're well versed in this. What do you got to say? I, I'm a very very big preservation supporter. Do things like help out the archive.org initiative yearly to the the Strong Museum of Play in New York. I am of the mind that 
preserving the history of gaming is incredibly important and is being incredibly overlooked. Yes. The Strong National Museum of Play is kind of exactly what the name is. It's a museum of play. So their whole thing is archiving and displaying various forms of play. Mostly, like their archivists are primarily looking into, at video games, right? They are digitizing, copying, photographing, manual inserts for game cartridges, stuff like that. Like they just are there to preserve as much of gaming history as, as possible. Okay, I'm going to put a link in the show notes where you can go and support this because this sounds fucking integral to society and very important. And they are just one of many. Um, they're just one that I happen to have found first and, and, and know about and, and partake in more than anybody else. Do you think that's part of the problem, though, that there isn't a centralized single organization that is supported by the community? There kind of is. You have, you have archive.org, which is an open initiative for doing this, but also preserving not just video game stuff, preserving just about everything. Um, and that's a big deal. And if you can support archive.org, like it's a huge initiative that does a lot of amazing work. What I like about supporting video game museums in particular is they're not just about archiving. They're also about displaying and participating. And that is sometimes more important, but I think in general, it's equally as important as pure archiving. Um, the archiving of the whole thing is, I think, the easiest way for someone to help. It's the kind of thing where like, if you fucking go in a garage sale and you pick out like a random old console, like cartridge from like an Atari 2600 cartridge or some shit, uh, you can get in contact with people like volunteers at archive.org who will take that from you or walk you through how to digitize things or whatever and just help get clear pictures of labels that ha that like they only have degraded copies of or things like that my og game boy alleyway and super mario six golden coins yeah well and that's the kind of thing is like it's very important to archive the world changing video games but those are not a problem super mario brothers 2 is not at risk of being forgotten to history but those obscure video games like B.O.B. on Super Nintendo is a good example of is one of my favorite video games. And it's it's not like in proper obscurity, but it's close. And those are the kind of games that get lost to history. Nintendo is absolutely fucking notorious for this, where they have a philosophy of only making games for hardware that they are manufacturing, which is why, like, even though, you know, the Wii was literally last generation we use eh, you can argue a little bit but they don't make games for it anymore you can't buy games from nintendo for the wii anymore because they only sell games for hardware that they're currently manufacturing which is a huge pain in the ass and it's it's a huge gray area too because it is their ip they have the right to do whatever they want with it but it's really really hard to care about nintendo's bottom line when the entire fucking art forms historical record is at stake like i don't give a shit that you might be able to sell, you know, some Super Nintendo game on the virtual console for 60 bucks again in 10 years when like you're going to just ignore dozens of amazing works of art to do it. It makes me honestly really, really mad. And it, it, it makes it it's one of those things where like it's really hard for me to support Nintendo as a whole because of sh shit like this, like and their online system. But uh, they're, well, <laughs> dude, they're online. Their servers are ridiculous. dedicated servers. 
They have no servers. You cannot fucking play Smash Ultimate on the Switch online with friends because there are no servers. It's just, it's a laggy fucking nightmare. I would be spending so much time doing that. If, if, if we could, like, I would be on Smash all the time playing online with you guys. That would be so much fun. But Seth is right in that Nintendo's unwillingness to, to meet their consumers halfway with this is a big, dark spot in their otherwise relatively good reputation. I don't know what it is about this, and it's just they, they just refuse to meet us halfway. When the SNES and, and NES classic consoles came out, people went fucking ape shit. Like, goddamn, out of their fucking minds. I was one of them. I remember how jazzed you were when you got your hands on it. I, I waited in line in front of a Target at 4 o'clock in the morning in freezing temperatures to get an NES Classic because a lot of those games I don't own anymore or never had a chance to own because when they came out, I was a fucking kindergartner didn't have my own money to buy them. So a lot of these games, I was able to go back and, and play for the very first time and, and experience them for the first time. And it was goddamn fucking joyous. Same with the SNES. Like, this is an era I grew up in where I was a child. And even now as an adult, I'm a fucking graphic designer. I can't afford to spend $500 on a relatively decent copy of Mega Man X for Super Nintendo. And that's one of my favorite games of all time. Nintendo, if they were willing to put just... I don't, I don't think it would be of much cost to them at all because everything they do fucking prints money anyway. Build an online virtual console or a library with every single fucking game that was ever released for the NES and SNES and sell them for one, two, three, four, five bucks a pop. It would print fucking money. But beyond that, the goodwill that they'd be producing towards their fan base would be immeasurable. They would make so many fucking people happy. They'd be out there introducing these amazing, world-changing, life-altering games to a whole new generation of people and also making like my generation and older happy as well. But also just fucking printing money. <laughs> like it's free fucking money. These are amazing games that you produced 20, 30 years ago. Put them out there and make money on them again. What is the fucking holdup? I don't understand. You make a good point because, I mean, film studios will argue that like, well, well, it's quite a bit to get everything worked out for our, because they've got, you know, access to IP that they just can't make movies on. But that's because it's literally a huge production, right? With these, they just need to slap up the digital copy of this game. They own them. They have them. Yeah, they have access it. to them. This brings up two points here, right? One is a one I was going to make earlier, but that's perfect. Nintendo has two folds. They both want to print money, right? They want to make good shit. So they, they put a lot of care into the games that they make. That's why you only get like one Mario game per generation. You get like all of their games that they make have a lot of care and effort put into them. But on the flip side of that, they're also saying that they don't actually give a shit about their games because 15 years from now, none of these games are going to be for sale or playable or available. Yeah. Like they, they're just willing to drop all the shit off and like they don't care. Once it's out, it's fuck off. It's this weird kind of dichotomy with Nintendo. It's always been like this with them where like somebody puts like their lifeblood into a video game and it skyrockets and puts Nintendo on the map and all kinds of stuff, right? And then a generation goes by and they release a new console and like, fuck those old games. What kind of mixed messages are you sending Nintendo? Like, do you care about your games? You're not. Absolutely. Two generations from now, when there's, when there's, when we're twice removed from the switch, are we ever going to be able to play breath of the wild ever again? If we don't own a switch, probably not. And that's fucking scary and sad, man. That brings up the other side of this where like, not a devil's advocate, but to like, to go to bat for Nintendo is it, it takes a lot of effort. It's not just like ripping a ROM and putting online. Like you have to build 
either emulation into your consoles of some kind, map all of that shit out, or like they did with the virtual console and their SNES classics and stuff is, is make a port of that game to work with the hardware that you have. And that takes a lot of time and effort and money. It's Nintendo though. Like they're not short on funds. <laughs> I'm not saying they couldn't do it. Just like fucking Apple could afford to do all kinds of shit. They're a $3 trillion company. They can do whatever the fuck they want, but they still don't because it takes too much time and effort. Nintendo's the same way. Like it will make them a ton of money, but the cost is not worth it for them. That's not just about the money though. And it's not just about putting ROMs online. Here's the thing is, is like, I'll go, if I looked at in the closet of video game consoles that I have, I've got an Xbox at 360 in there, PlayStation 2. Am I going to set those up and play retro games? No. Would I set up my Super Nintendo? Would I set up my N64? Yes. I think there's something to be said about the longevity of those consoles and your ability to go back to them and play them. Um, I had a question for Seth. And my question is, in a roundabout way, it's going to take me a while to get there because you know, I'm a very wordly man. I'll put my seatbelt on. There you go. Yeah. Click that shit. So they put out the SNES and the NES Classics. And in doing so, they created fucking perfect emulators. They are flawless. They play exactly like the games did on the original consoles, glitches and, and video glitches and all. There's absolutely zero lag, even if you play it with like a like an 8-bit do Bluetooth controller. They built fucking immaculate, perfect emulators, the like of which I've never seen before. It, it's, it feels light years ahead of like even Raspberry Pi and shit like that. So we know they're able to do this. Why can't they just create or just take the hardware they've already built for the consoles? And why can't they just put another one out and say, this is your emulation machine. This is your, your fucking emulation machine. And for a subscription, you can download games from our vast library of every game you could ever think of. Or here's another subscription. And well, obviously this isn't feasible, but we'll send you a fucking thumb drive with a whole bunch more games, like as part of our like game of the month club or some shit like that. We already know they're able to build perfect emulators, perfect flawless fucking emulators. And I'm just going to throw this out there. I I used Hackchi. I experimented. I want to see what this fucking thing can do. I took ROMs from games that I owned and I flashed them onto it and it works flawlessly. It was super incredibly fucking easy to take ROMs of NES and SNES games, flash them onto the, the, the classic consoles and be off and running. What is Nintendo's holdup? We know they can do this. We know that like the hardware now exists. Like they've done it. They built the perfect emulator. The emulation is a known quantity because it's all memory manipulation that happens at a hardware level. It's very, very easy to do, uh, which is why like your watch can play at SNES games. The reason they don't is because Nintendo philosophically does not want to support old long-term legacy content. Yeah. And it's so weird to me. Yeah, it is. It's definitely a philosophical issue. It is not a money, time, or effort, or technology issue. They don't want to because it goes against their working philosophy, which is, like, annoying, but, like, it's fine. It's their right to do that. The problem then is they prevent anybody else from being able to play their games any other way. Yeah. Well, think about it, too, from a hardware standpoint, right? If you're a company that's creating a new console or new material every couple of years, you don't want people thinking about the older, smaller ticket 
things. You want them thinking about the next $500 console that you're going to be able to put in their hands. Yeah. So, I mean, from the game preservation side, yeah, you, you, you want to be able to make sure that the lineage of your game making is preserved. And I'm sure that they have that locked down on and redundant servers somewhere. However, like they don't want you thinking about that. They want you thinking about the next thing. I agree with that, but I also disagree because every time Nintendo puts out a new console, they go right back to formula again. We get a new Mario game. We get a new Zelda game. We get a new Metroid game, even though it's taken them 20 fucking years to make Metroid Prime 4. They're putting out the latest and greatest versions of these games, but these games are also, just by design, a throwback to our childhoods and that sense of nostalgia. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, like Mario Odyssey feels just like Super Mario 64. Breath of the Wild, by design... By even by visual design is such a a loving and careful throwback to the aesthetics of the original Legend of Zelda on NES. So I get what you're saying, and I agree that they want to keep it going with the latest and greatest, and they want you to buy the latest and greatest. But with Nintendo, they're so well versed in their own history and sense of tradition that they're contradicting themselves by doing that and not also letting us play those old games. People are never going to stop buying the next awesome, fantastic Zelda that comes out. But goddamn, they also want to fucking play A Link to the Past, which is one of the greatest games of all time. With Nintendo, it's it's not going to be one or the other. It's going to be both. It always has been both. So you're saying they should do it digitally, but do it... I, I mean, I imagine they'd have to do it in stages, right? Because you couldn't do the, the entirety of their library all at once. I feel like it would be too heavy of a lift. So you'd have to do, like, classics, and then you move on to SNES, and then you have to move on to 64, GameCube, Wii Fit, and so on. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo cares too much about their current work for this to be a long-term solution. There's a reason that their games never go on sale. There's a reason that if you want to buy a virtual console game, it is full retail price from when it was released. It's like fucking 40 or $50 still. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, or you get a fucking HD remake of fucking Skyward Sword. And they sold the HD remake for 60 fucking dollars it's a 20 year old game and people fucking lapped it up but like to my point if you tell people we're gonna put a link to the past which is actually available on the on the switch uh online thing so this is probably a bad example it'd be useless if it wasn't honestly <laughs> it's like they're one game but my point is is like you can put a 20 year old slightly upgraded nintendo game on there for full fucking retail the same price it was 20 years ago people will buy it and they'll still pay to play the latest and greatest games too. Nintendo doesn't understand that there's not a dichotomy there. It's it's not a one or the other. It's people want all your shit. All of your shit. I want all of your shit. I want to play perfect like recreations. Don't even touch them. Just like fucking like I said, like put them on your, your perfect emulator. These games that I grew up with playing are the games I wasn't able to play that I desperately wanted to play when I was a kid because I didn't have the money. And I only had like a birthday and Christmas to like try and finagle games out of my parents, my grandparents and shit. Like there is a wealth of video games out there. And I've been a lifelong gamer literally since I've been able to hold a controller in my hands. And there are so many games that I've never been able to play and will possibly never be able to play because Nintendo has decided to gatekeep all this shit needlessly. And this is where the, the logic breaks down of this whole argument is like, it's not like Nintendo's not going to make money, right? It, we we joke and get frustrated at the fact that they release a th fucking 25-year-old game for $60, but if they released their entire back catalog of SNES and NES games, 
available for reproduction purchase for fucking full price, I'd still buy them. The problem is the people that want to play these games do not have a way to buy them. Yeah. There is no, like, I'm happy to give you money to play this game, but that's not a thing. So, like, even if I want to buy this game, I have to go to eBay and hope somebody has a good copy that I can pay scalper prices for because you're not allowing me to even pay full retail price for one. So what does this solution look like to you guys? Piracy. I'm joking. You, you kind of hinted at a little bit before, but like, is the solution that in conjunction with your Nintendo Switch Online subscription, you maybe you're paying a little extra now because they've got the full Nintendo back catalog or you can opt to get the, you know, Nintendo Retro Plus or whatever. And then now you've got access to their entire backlog and it costs you 40 instead of 20 a month or whatever. Is that the solution? What does it look like to you? That's a fair price, actually. I mean, I would probably pay more than that. I would probably pay 50 bucks a year if they put not even just their entire catalog, because it's a lot of fucking games and not all of them are good, but a sizable portion of that catalog. Right now, like I said, the, the collections they have on the SNES and SNES Switch Online libraries is meager, and there's a whole bunch of just trash. They'll, they'll come out with like two or three more like every six months, and people are like, why the, why the fuck did you even bother and why am I paying for this? Because Li- licensing rights are expensive and hard to come by. Fair. How do you license a game from a studio that doesn't exist anymore? Yeah. But then they announced that, oh yeah, we're going to start putting Sega Genesis and Nintendo 64 games on Nintendo Switch Online too. And people are like, okay, cool. It's fucking rad. But they're like, yeah, but you, you got to pay 30 bucks more a year for it. And people are like, okay, okay uh, all right. And then Nintendo's like, well, here's fucking win back. Here are all the games that you could easily find on a Saturday afternoon at Blockbuster because nobody wanted to fucking rent them. Like, I'm not going to pay 30 bucks more a year for that shit. If you're going to charge me for it, at least put something good on there. But no, they, they have all these games readily available. And there are obviously the licensing problems. They couldn't put, like, Jurassic Park up there. They'd probably have to fork out some money to pull, throw up, like, like, Mortal Kombat 2 or something up there. But the vast majority of games that were, you know, original IPs, they could throw up there. Shit, kick back some money to the original studios that developed them too, and like just work out some sort of deal. There's no reason not to, aside from the fact that they just don't want to. And that's what confuses people. That's what confuses me. And that's what almost, almost in my in my heart of hearts justifies the use of ROMs. Because at this point, Nintendo refuses to put it out there they they were refusing to make any money off of them and it's still legal legally wrong to download and play these roms but it's also i mean i don't want to say it's a victimless crime but people want to play these fucking games and there's no there's no other avenue for doing so i do want to make a point in that the use of roms is not the problem the the pirating is the issue i have built a ROM extractor for each of my console generations, for each of the cartridge generations, so that I can digitize all of the cartridges that I own. I play those old retro games on built hardware that I have made myself. I've converted a Wii to a handheld so that I can play those games handheld, like a Switch, but for like SNES games only or whatever. Digitizing a cartridge that you own is fine. It's legal, it's totally okay thing to do, and it's a great idea in case you fucking, your nephew dunks your N64 game into the toilet or something. It's a great idea to have a digital copy of that. 
And it also gives you the flexibility to be able to emulate them on your computer. Like there's nothing wrong or illegal about that. Digitizing a game that you own and playing it on your computer so that you don't have to ruin the now rare copy of the game that you have because you can't replace it. They're not making them anymore, right? So that is okay. The, the pirating is the problem. And that is where it gets into this gray area is like, is it a problem to pirate a game that not only is not being made anymore, but it's not being sold anywhere, is not available for purchase anywhere from a studio that doesn't exist, so nobody's losing money. Is it a problem? I don't know. That's a, that's a gray area and a question for a philosopher that's not me. I don't think it's a question for a philosopher. I think it's a, a question for an intellectual property lawyer. <laughs> At the end of the day, your intellectual property becomes public domain of humanity, right? Unless you're Disney. Well, no, I mean, even Disney takes advantage of that. Like, look at Peter Pan. J.M. Barry writes a book, and all of a sudden, wham, bam. <laughs> Most of their stuff is like that. I think, ultimately, if Nintendo's not going to buck up and, and take care of their nostalgic fan base, then I've never batted an eye about it. But at the end of the day, I do think that the people that make the things should get royalties and get paid. If it's a studio that doesn't exist anymore, from, from my perspective, put that shit up. Rip it on a ROM and share it with the public. Therein lies my big issue, is the fact that Nintendo doesn't want to share these games with a rabid audience that wants to play them and wants to own them and wants to cherish them. They also want to drop the absolute fucking ban hammer on anybody who is out there distributing ROMs or downloading ROMs. Like, we want to give you money to play these games. You don't want us to have them. So we go outside the, you know, the, the legal means of playing these games, and that's wrong too. I don't understand why Nintendo just wants to completely bury their entire history and rob future generations of ever being able to play these games. These games made them what they are today. There would be no fucking Nintendo if it wasn't for all these amazing games that came out. Why not be proud of that? Why not continue to just make money from those games and allow future generations to rediscover those games and become lifelong Nintendo fans? I, I don't understand the, 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 the split between, no, you can't play these games. Don't ever fucking try and play these games any way you can. Like, just don't ever fucking play our games ever again. Why? Yeah, it reminds me of the argument that people had when uh, a lot of authors were realizing that people are making, like, t-shirts and, and memorabilia from the stories that they had. Like, they have their official merch, potentially, but then there's also some people that are just making stuff on, like, Redbubble or whatever. Or they have an Etsy store, and they're here you can get a mug with, like, a, a quote from their book on it. And, like, should a kickback go to the author for that? D is it necessary? Because it's, like, art that's being made separately and independently. At the end of the day, it still perpetuates their sales because the word and the message is getting out. To some people, they'd see that as, like, free marketing. Yeah. I don't know. And you could say sort of the same thing about Nintendo. Like if people are trying their best to play your games, it's a good problem to have. But at the end of the day, you got to, you got to make something happen. Like you got to, you got to put it up online. They should operate like a streaming service where they cycle in some of their old games, potentially. I think that's a, the, the way to do it. And it sounds like they are kind of doing that, but not doing it well. This is where Microsoft is miles ahead, completely <laughs> yeah. beating the system. Yeah. They're, they're doing things properly. In my opinion, they're, their Game Pass is great. Their backward compatibility initiatives are hugely important. Yeah. And they're huge proponents for the preservation of gaming history, which is great. They like they garner a lot of goodwill for that. Mm -hmm. It's weird because like Nintendo's vehemence on this protection of their IP is honestly getting in the way of 
the archivists. Yes. The people who aren't trying to pirate their games, they're trying to preserve an art form for history, for posterity. Uh, Nintendo's preventing them from operating as well. And that's that's the kind of the crux of this whole issue. Pirating's illegal, pirating's bad, people should get paid for the work that they do. Excellent. Yes. Hard to argue against that. But in Nintendo's efforts to prevent piracy of things that they do not sell anymore, they are preventing the preservation of an art form's historical record. And that's a huge fucking problem. Yeah, and then think about like people who want to teach about gaming history. You know, it's becoming more of yeah, good yeah, it's becoming more of a of a, an approachable area of study nowadays from like the you know the the collective collegiate sort of level and do you guys remember that tweet not long ago from nintendo it perfectly solidifies this thing nintendo tweeted was like what is your favorite soundtrack or song from your favorite nintendo game or whatever and every reply with a youtube link had a copyright strike on it and the youtube video was no longer available <laughs> Christ. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Fucking hell. So people man. were like, did Nintendo just make this tweet to bait people so that they could get all of the copyright strikes out? Or all these videos are like actually copyright strike and that was the joke where people were applying with videos that were no longer available because of Nintendo's bullshit? It's fucking wild. But it was like, it was a fun tweet from Nintendo USA and literally hundreds of replies of copyright stricken YouTube videos. It's just a social media person not realizing what was going to happen with the bots. <laughs> it's fucking wild. But that perfectly sums it up. It's like, yeah, people love your shit and love your work, but you're actively preventing that love from propagating. Yeah. So we've got people who are our age, my age and your age, who say things like Chrono Trigger or Final Fantasy VI is my favorite game of all time. And we've got people who are younger than us who say the same thing. And they did not play the game through legal means like we did. We're going to get to a point where not only will people the age of, of Alex's children not be able to say, yeah, Chrono Trigger is my favorite game ever. They'll never even get a chance to fucking play it. They'll never even know what that game is or what it meant to people or, or just be able to experience that. And that's, that's what Nintendo's doing. They're, they're choking out their own history. They're choking out people's childhoods and people's own individual histories. And for, for what? For what? There's no logical reason. There's no... There's no statement that's ever been released to say exactly why they're doing it. They're just they're just snuffing it out purposefully and, and willfully. There will be a time where even if you owned a cartridge of Chrono Trigger, you will not be able to play it because it will not work anymore. Here's my final thought on it, right? Is that we we've seen the lengths that people will go to social engineer their way to find a PS5 or an Xbox Series X, right? We're literally at the point where we're social hacking to to get our hands on a new console. That's not going to stop us from eventually getting the Nintendo archive solidified somewhere, right? Like I think that collectively gamers will make that happen. It's only a matter of uh, course for Nintendo to just make it available. Otherwise, it's going to happen and, and they're not going to really be able to cash in on that. I'm on a quest to get literally every released N64 cartridge. And I've got a good handful of them, but like when I do, I will have a complete digital record of the N64 game releases too, because there's no fucking way I'm not digitizing those. No chance. Man, you got to put a list up of what you're missing and I'll help you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I tell you what, I hope that Goldblum is archiving every single episode of Space Castle just so he can hoard them and nobody can ever listen to them ever again after we all fucking die.
Time for messages from Earth. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm Jesse, and we're the host of See You Next Tuesday podcast, true crime podcast where we talk about the crimes against family members. Because let's be real, the ultimate See You Next Tuesdays in the world are the ones who commit crimes against family members. 100%. Right now, we are covering a tough one, moms. But don't worry, we don't discuss the terrible crimes and leave you depressed. Before we go, we tell you about our star mom of the week that we think is killing it in motherhood. Give us a listen on most podcast platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple, Google, Stitcher, and more. Don't forget to like and subscribe. As always, we will see you next Tuesday. So we've segged Alex's deep space repeatedly, long and hard over the last few weeks. I think it's I think it's Seth's turn to have his deep space segged into. So Seth, prepare your body. Are you ready to be segged? Oh yeah, dude. I'm I've been prepared for weeks. All right, you're segged. Was it good for you? Mm, it's a little fast for my taste. Well, you know, a little quickly. Lower your expectations. I just my I just want a little bit more meat out of my segues, you know. <laughs> you uh, you couldn't have made that more awkward. Seth, you have the deep space this week. What have you got for us? What have you What have you been exploring? What have you discovered? What have you got to share with our eager listeners? Or are you going to choose to just withhold it and keep us all in suspense forever? And are we gonna have to make ROMs of your deep space to enjoy them? <laughs> what I found out in deep space is yet another YouTube channel. Big surprise. This one is by now an up-and-coming YouTuber in the last, I don't know, month or so. The channel is titled Habby147. That's H-A-B-I-E-147. Really fucking cool guy. He does mostly VR content. Some mods of like Skyrim and stuff like that. But what really hooked me on his, his content is a video he did about finally playing the VR version of Elite Dangerous. Ooh. Yeah. And if you're unfamiliar with Elite Dangerous, it's a heavy, like, space starship simulator. Like, it, it is a proper, like, simulation-type game for starships and stuff. Space exploration and colonization and things. There's one moment in that particular video, straight up, it made me cry. He talks about how in Elite Dangerous, you can get to our solar system, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's huge pain in the ass. It's a lot of work and you have to, in game, you have to buy a ticket to be able to like go and visit. And it, it's a lot of work and a lot of grinding to like get both the funds and to unlock it and get the requisite parts and all kinds of missions done and stuff to get to this point. And he talks about that and he talks about what a slog it was and how it's like, that's a huge grind in VR and blah, blah, blah. But what fucking got me is like, he talks about it, he struggles with it. And he's like, he almost gave up. And then finally he made it. And like he, he, he pauses as he like warps into the system. I'm paraphrasing. So you go watch the video. I'm not going to say verbatim or anything, but he, he warps in and there's this pause as you like see the earth and, and soul, our son. And he's like, I'm here. I'm home. And it, it fucking makes me cry every time. It's so like impactful and the work that he put in to get to the solar system and like seeing it in VR is like 
it's this super intense thing and the video is you know effectively a review of the game like it's not personal vr experience or anything like that but most of his content is like talking about the games that he's like playing slash reviewing or talking about a mod or whatever but him talking about the effort it took to get here and then in vr when you see like your home system it's like man he has this like little emotion behind his, his voice and stuff. It, it fucking gets me. And it's, it's the kind of thing that I love about VR is like traveling in a fictional starship to see your home solar system is cool and interesting, but in VR, it is like, it is an experience, man. It VR transcends things like that. It, it, it really like is an entirely new medium and hearing him talk about it in VR is like fucking unwild. Yeah, it's unwild. That's how crazy it is. It's unwild. <laughs> Anybody feel like Seth was born 250 years too early? Absolutely. This <laughs> motherfucker needs to be in the Oasis already. Dude, it's for real. I feel it. Habby has a way of, of making you feel like that. Um, he's just, like Even when he talks about like hot dogs, horseshoes, and hand grenades, I believe is what it is, H3. And it's just a dumb like gun simulator game where you just shoot shit, targets, and hot dogs, and they explode, and... It's just a gun simulator in VR, but he makes you feel so like makes you realize that it's important. And that is something I absolutely love about his channel and his content. And he's also fucking hilarious, which helps a lot. So go watch his shit, man. Happy, happy one, four, seven, join his discord. The discord's great. They call him smooth brains because he includes himself in being just an absolute dumb fuck. <laughs> um, but in like a really great way and a really fun way. Uh, very self-deprecating. The humor's great. The content's great. Your description so far has been like so emotional, and I was expecting that. And then I looked at the thumbnails on his YouTube channel, and they're so funny. <laughs> VR. <laughs> it's a comedy channel, but like it's it's a lot like the Green Brothers in that way, which might be why I like it so much. His content because it's like this is a smooth brain joke show that I'm gonna make you cry over. It's surprisingly insightful, and then there's jokes too. <laughs> so. Yeah, let me let me rip a couple of these thumbnails. Zero calibers given. Beat my wife's saber. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> VR combat is better with lube. That's true. It's good. His content's very funny. Oh my god. Terminal in VR got me pregnant. <laughs> like what the fuck? And most of it is comedy, right? Like the 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 elite dangerous one is a little bit of an outlier, but I think it's like his most important content to be honest. Cool. That's cool, man. Thank you for sharing. Habby147? Is there an underscore there? Or is it just like one word? Nope. H-A-B-I-E-147. Straight through. Gotta respect the people that just post content with their like nonsense alphanumeric gamer tag. <laughs> I think he's got, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand subscribers right now. But like December of 2021, he had like a thousand. That's a little hyperbolic, but like it's not that far off. Uh, his growth has been huge and very recent. For the majority of his channel's life, he was just posting funny bullshit content of like whatever he was interested in or doing that day in VR mostly. And his content still feels like that. Like it's still like I am just a, a dude who's like making content over shit that I'm passionate about and like putting it on the internet. And now suddenly he's got 300,000 subscribers and all kinds of shit. Now suddenly it's not hyperbolic, it's parabolic. He's going up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, dude. His content's great. And he seems like a genuinely great human being too, which is always nice. That's rad. Right on. Speaking of genuinely great human beings, 
We've got a listener question for one of our amazing listeners. Are you guys prepared? I hope so. Oh, yeah, baby. I'll get the lube. Okay. Oh, well, all right. I thought we ran out, but okay. There's, I thought there was plenty in your special room. <laughs> I was going to say, a lot of it's gone missing. I wasn't sure what was going on. I thought it was maybe Goldblum with his new robot body, like exploring himself and going through robot puberty. I don't know. Oh, he's like the Tin Man. He's got to oil up. <laughs> Instead of oil, Goldblum Tin Man's like, <laughs> and then you lube him up, and he's like, oh, well, uh, oh, well, there it is. <laughs> uh, we have an awesome question from one of our people on Discord, who also happens to be one of our amazing Galactonaut patrons on Patreon.com/slash/SpaceCastlePod. Hell yeah! This one comes to us from our good friend Seth. The question is, in honor of Jake Peralta and Brooklyn Nine Nine. What will be the title of your sex tape? <laughs> Suddenly all the lube and all the, the fucking disgusting talk all comes full fucking circle. Actually, comes full fucking circle might be the title of my sex tape. <laughs> <laughs> Close encounters of the fifth kind. Ooh. <laughs> That's pretty good. Mine would probably be called Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> My sex tape would probably be like some weird avant-garde experimental thing where it's like it's a it's a period and then an intero bang and like two underscores and you're like what the fuck is this? <laughs> Mine would also be an avant-garde, but it would be called eight and a half. Eight and a half. <laughs> no, actually, it'd be gone in sixty seconds. <laughs> oh! oh! Ooh. I don't know if I can beat that. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I started thinking about movie title ones, and I just, I don't think I can beat Gone in 60 Seconds. It's so good. Mine might be uh, Big, 1988. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Is it going to be Holes? Starring Shia LaBeouf? I was waiting for one of you to say. (laughs) That's the full title. (laughs) Starring Shia LaBeouf. Well, he's already already dipped his toes into that one, so. Which is another good title. Pacific rimmed. <laughs> Pacific rimmed. Yo, that's good. I've got mine. Mine. This is the real answer. Mine would actually be the Hitchhiker's Guide to My Galaxy. Ooh, pretty good. Pretty good. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, See, you you realize that we we diverted <laughs> right into movies and stayed there. Hot fuzz. <laughs> God damn. Seth, what a question. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Seth, from the Discord and our patron. Yeah. Yeah. This is so fitting, too, because it was like we sh- were getting pretty serious and heated at Nintendo and VR transcendentalism. And then, yeah, we got to bring it back around. Right. Thanks for getting us back on track, Seth. Any others? You- you've got mail? <laughs> M-A-L-E? <laughs> <laughs> How about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? There you go. Boom. Nailed it. Done. Hey, we're done. that's yep, a good one. That's it. That's the one. Yep. Yep. <laughs> We'll be done with the podcast episode once someone brings out Deep Impact. <laughs> okay, that's it. We did it. We're done. <laughs> oh, thank you as always for joining us. It's Space Castle, your clubhouse, and ours for all things nerdy. My name's DT. God damn it. <laughs> I'm Red Wine Alex, part-time librarian, Molotov Doghammer, master and space commander. Still just Seth. 
As always, we want to thank our good friend Brian Lovett, aka BFUCK Supreme, for his help in co-writing our theme song, D's Notes. I've mentioned the Patreon multiple times, but join us at patreon.com slash spacecastlepod. Become a patron and be cool like our buddy Seth, who gave us that amazing question and also help contribute to choosing the topic of one of our episodes of Real Drunk and one of our recent episodes of Space Castle, wherein we talked about For All Mankind on Apple TV. One of my favorite episodes to date, actually. I love that fucking episode. Great. Yeah, it was a great one. It was awesome. Good. That's a good TV show. Yeah. Uh, we never told the people how they can contact us. Should we tell the people how they can contact oh, us? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can I'm the cream of the go, <laughs> go to the Bluebird website. Someone coming to get you. The Bluebird site. Yeah, at, at Space Castle Pod on there. And also the, the Polaroid icon. <laughs> <app too. laughs> um, <laughs> you can send us a letter at the... Uh, red envelope icon uh, at spacecastlepodcast at gmail.com and you can also uh, see our nudes at <laughs> at patreon.com slash spacecastle guys if, for real if I ever actually make a sex tape I'm titling it visit us at spacecastlepodcast at gmail.com <laughs> Oh, thank you guys as always for joining us. We already said our names. Seth, Seth, just say the Bye. thing. Love you. Fast and Furious. God damn it. Ah, uh, that's a good one too. Uh, fuck. Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Baby. Triple X. Now they're all coming to me. Oh, there you go. There's the name of my sex tape. Uh, yep, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Bye. I love you.